You're listening to Threads Radio. My name's Luke Fraser, and this is The Tonic.
that has something of Steve Reich's music for 18 musicians about it. The combination of moving cogs overlaid with those long washes of harmonic colour, but all of it slowed down, retrofied and transposed from the Big Apple to the Canadian prairies. Written in 2008, it's called Thirds, Fourths and Fifths, and it's by Alison Cameron, a composer, performer and improviser from Edmonton, Alberta. It's from her 2015 album, A Gossamer Bit, and it reflects her long-standing association with the Toronto-based Ensemble Contact. Each piece in the record is in a different vein, with influences ranging from minimalism and jazz to the music of Charles Ives. What they share in common, though, is that sense of wide open space and a certain hypnotic feel. There's some really good ones on it. Special mention for the harmonica there in that piece as well. It's really underused in classical music, and it's something that lends to that sound world a sense of both time and place. Contact are Wallace Halliday, soprano saxophone, Sarah Fraser Raff, violin, Mary Catherine Finch, cello, Nikolai Bobas, double bass and voice, Rob MacDonald, electric guitar, harmonica, Alison Weep Benstead, piano, harmonica, and Jerry Pergolosi, vibraphone, drum kit, harmonica, and voice. The album, A Gossamer Bit, was released on Redshift Records in 2015.
That's Valkyrie Eleison from a great release by the Norwegian ensemble Die Schlenslevare, whose music lies somewhere between contemporary classical and traditional folk music, and in particular the work of composer and theorist Ivan Goreven, who built a theoretical foundation for the use of just intonation within the latter. That focus on working with alternative tunings then seems in a sense to act as a bridge between the two worlds with its echoes of Norwegian fiddling, singing and zither traditions on the one hand, and on the other, the microtonal music of composers like Julian Carrillo, Shelzy, Sonarkis, and so on. I'd be very interested to know how the music came together. Was it part improvised, or did it use indeterminate or graphic scoring, for example? In any case, the pieces don't take the form of traditional Norwegian tunes or short songs, but rather something existing in a playful third space between folk sources and fixed composition. It's an album that's full of brilliant little details, each string inflection, ornament and pitch slide sitting alongside percussion that gives it a skittery, restless energy, and all contributing to an ambience seemingly carved out from the ages. By Schlenslevare are Ole Henrik Moe, trumpet, banjo, hardanger fiddle, and double bass, Kari Runeklev, resonator and hardanger fiddle, Torres Shedurem, prepared piano, Laura Marie Ruslatten, handbells and desk bells, Anna Hitter, resonator and hardanger fiddle, Rasmus Kjorstad, resonator and hardanger fiddle, Yif Mori, banjo and beer cans, Helga Murr, resonator and hardanger fiddle, and Moriana Termesgard, resonator and hardanger fiddle. The album Schlenzerberulf was released on Mottwind Records in 2022.
That there's the sound of the Hardanger fiddle, the traditional eight or nine stringed instrument considered to be the national instrument of Norway, as played there by Helga Murr from Die Schlenslevare, who you heard just before. The piece is called Glummerdag o Stund, Forgetting the Day and Time, and it's taken from her debut release, Nattenvelle Sagurt, The Night Unfolds that showcases both her fiddle playing and her voice. Quite a few of the pieces are songs in the tradition of her native valley in Hallingdal, as learnt from her mother, Gunlag Mur. Singing whilst playing fiddle, no mean feat for sure, is a troubadour tradition that dates back to the 19th century, at least. It's those extra strings compared to a regular violin, I think, that allow for so much additional potential in terms of double stopping allowing for different musical parts, or voices if you like, to be weaved together in these knotty, complex textures. And that piece in particular stood out for me in terms of both that technique and its sense of intrepid determination. Natanvela Sagut was released on Motvind Records as part of their Perspective Poor Norsk Folk Music series in 2019.
to Mali then. And that's the first two movements, Funtukuru and Dulen of Tegeri Tulun, written in 2018 by our Kase Made Giabate and played there by the Kronos Quartet as part of their 50 for the Future project, an extensive commissioning, performance and education program with a free online audio and score repository. It has the aim of providing resources for training the next generation of professional string quartets. She's the daughter of the renowned Kase Madi Giabate, and they're from a family of distinguished Mande griots, griots being West African musical storytellers, singers, and all-round oral historians. Griot, that's G-R-I-O-T, music, encompasses some of West Africa's most sublime music. Tegeri Toulon is based on the hand-clapping songs of Awakase Made Giabati's childhood, key formative experiences for her, and a tradition which is gradually dying out as Western media, such as phones and TVs, reach more communities across the continent. Performed exclusively by girls outdoors in a circle, these songs are normally short, consisting of one or two phrases repeated in call and response, and often involving counting, each with its own dance. The girls often make them up spontaneously, using the rhythms of language to generate musical rhythm with playful movements, some individual and some coordinated by the whole circle. The lyrics, meanwhile, are humorous and sometimes poignant, and they're built around counting, as is typical of the Tagiri Tulon tradition. They deal with a range of social issues for women and girls, including familial relationships and the downsides, as well as the upsides, of marriage. The first movement, Funtukuru, was inspired by a trip to film hand-clapping songs in the village of the same name, which is located deep in the rolling savanna of western Mali. It's about a tall girl called Marama, who loves dancing so much that she falls into a well, but then somehow climbs out and manages to carry on dancing. The Kronos commentary mentions that this is Howard's playful reflection on the joy of hand-clapping songs, it is her way of encouraging girls not to be put off by the stern gaze of male elders. On a musical level, I find the arrangement for string quartet and the performance a little light perhaps, a little polite, but the strength of the melodies really come through. There's something about a tune that manages to be so simple and yet so clear. The one in the first movement is more or less just a descending major scale, split into two phrases. It's really a form of saying something unique and meaningful, with the fewest possible words that I find really powerful. The Kronos Quartet are David Harrington and John Sherber, violin, Hank Dutt, viola, and Paul Wianco, cello. And you can hear that recording on their 50 for the Future website and on their Bandcamp. It was published in 2020. Bala Fasege dédié au premier violon.
So whilst looking through some of the other works in that Kronos 50 for the Future library, I came across a piece by the Ghanaian balafon master Fode Lasana Giabate, transcribed for the quartet. Nice enough, I thought, but when I clicked through a bit further, I noticed that Kronos had also published his original balafon demos from which the score was transcribed. And let's just say it's hard to replicate the sense of momentum and just sheer panache that comes through from these original recordings. He's a real virtuoso of the instrument. For the uninitiated, the balafon is a gourd resonated xylophone. And like Arakase Made Giobate, he was born into a well-known griot family. They're both in the group called Trio de Cali, as it goes. Their aim being to bring back forgotten repertoires and styles of the Mande griot tradition. These days, he's built an international reputation and works with artists across the world of both jazz and Latin music, alongside the traditional Mande griot music of West Africa. That piece, well, it's actually the fourth movement, Balafaseki, of Sunjata's time, and is dedicated to Sunjata Kita, the warrior prince who founded the great Malian Empire back in 1235. He was responsible for establishing many of the cultural norms that remain in practice today, including the close relationship between patron and musician. That's the hallmark of so much music in Mali. The word time in the title is a double play on both rhythm and epoch, with the piece evoking the kinds of musical sounds that might have been heard in Sinjata's time, and using an older style of balafon playing which Fode Lasana Giabate learned while studying with elder masters of the instrument. Each of the first four movements depicts a character who played a central role in Sunjata's life, with Balafaseke being Sunjata's griot. His instrument was indeed the balafon. He was, of course, a master virtuoso, and so it continues. You can hear those demos via the Kronos Quartet 50 for the Future website and Bandcamp and they were published in 2020.
the languorousness at the end of a long summer day. That was, and the higher leaves of the trees seemed to shimmer in the last of the sunlight's lingering touch of them. Written for chamber ensemble, tactile transducers on prepared bass drums and electronics in 2022 by Edmonton, Alberta native Emily Cecilia LaBelle, currently based in Toronto, I think. The piece is taken from her debut album, Field Studies, just recently released a collection of pieces that highlight her particular interest in texture, landscape, resonance, and timbre color. And in that piece, you can hear the variety of hues that come from combining the instruments in different ways with all their resultant overtones. Most of it is quiet, but there is dynamic range and narrative directionality, as you heard just there. I do, I think, though, like the bits that feel non-directed the best, that just float along with all their scintillating interplay of sustained notes and shorter bursts, and that seem most evocative of the image depicted in the title. It was performed by the Alberta-based ensemble Ultraviolet. They are Chinoa Anderson, flute, Alison Balactis, baritone saxophone, Roger Admiral, piano, and Mark Seger, percussion. The album Field Studies was released on Redshift Records earlier this year. Thank you. 
Now I know this show is probably not your first port of call, if and when you do think of lounge music or exotica, but hey, it's good to throw a slight curveball every once in a while. That piece, redolent of the father of exotica, Martin Denny, the postmodern heydays of John Zorn and Christian Markley, and Luke Vibert's retro sample drenched electro. It was called Starry Night by Norwegian composer Oivan Tovand and it's taken from his The Exotica album, released back in 2019. Commissioned by Bergen's Bit 20 Ensemble, it's a knowing homage of sorts to the post-war era of lounge and exotica, with its heavily romanticised vision of the South Pacific. He said, the piece grew out of a wish to do something in the exotica genre and link it to early electronic mondism. I had an idea to combine the two worlds, using the idea that they were both wanting to explore the unknown. I also had this mental image of one of the pieces being like going up a river in a canoe and suddenly discovering these abstract installations or sculptures in the jungle. So I started writing tunes that were clearly inspired by the sounds and colours of 50s exotica and then added abstract compositions and improvisations that ran parallel to the tunes and that sometimes interacted with them, with synths imitating waves rain, birds, and other natural phenomena. Musically, the broad strokes are well known, easy, uh, you might say, to listen to, but the album is full of great little details, both acoustic and electronic in origin, and in its exotica, it feels like a knowing and fond homage, rather than being any sort of arch modernist deconstruction. Exotica is perhaps not a genre without problems, it comes out of a post-colonial consumer era, with audiences wooed by the Adman's stylized misrepresentation of South Pacific culture. But in its defense, it was sonically original, and it's hard to accuse it for that reason of appropriation per se. And it wasn't all just PR for white America. Sun Ra in particular was a big advocate of the genre, and I think that speaks to its sense of exploration. It's pushing out there, coupled ironically, at least for me, with its accessibility. Here's one more of the album.
Sounding something akin to Messiaen's Garden of Love's Sleep, as played by the house band in a tiki bar. That was Wind Up Paradise Birds by Oivind Torvund. You heard playing on that and the previous Starry Night, Schertel Moster, Saxophones and Electronics, Jürgen Tron, Modular Synth and Noise, and the Bit 20 Ensemble, conducted by Trond. Madsen. The album, the Exotica album, was released on Hubro in 2019.
there's something about the opening of that piece that seems like a descent into depression, like a mind or body gradually unspooling and falling apart. It is in fact called Slow Dive, and it was written in 2007 by Jon Oydenes, a Norwegian composer of orchestral, chamber and piano works, whose early music was somewhat more cheery, even humorous in fact, before going down a more somber path. Apparently nowadays he mixes it up a bit more with each. But anyhow, here we are in the somber phase. The piece is actually a reference to the Susie and the Banshees song of the same name, with its imperative to get your head down to the ground, shake it all around, a dirty sound. It's a slow dive when you die slow. He's described the piece as being one of the first in which he sought to limit the amount of information and to simplify the expression. And I think that really comes through. The repeating motives on the guitar, tuned in quarter tones to give it that really unsettling sense of disharmony, are thrummed with a sense of moody reluctance, even belligerence, whilst the violin ranges above from the tragic to the resigned. I don't always go in for downy music, but sometimes it just works. I'm guessing I'm not alone in saying that can even weirdly make me happy. And there are some interesting theories around this beyond just a general sense of catharsis. From the dopamine released by the preparation for a trauma which, as simulated in music, doesn't cause actual harm, to the release of a specific hormone called prolactin, which has been associated with alleviating grief. In any case, music has always been one of the best forms of self-medication. That was performed there by Twitter Machine. They are Lars Eric Terjung, violin, and Thomas Schekstad, guitar. And it was taken from their album called Crossing Patterns that was released on Fabra in 2020. Thank you. 
That is the Norwegian mouth harp or Jews harp, nothing to do with the Jewish people as it turns out. And it was played there by Fov G. Wetterhus in the piece Gamla Guru or Old Guru. It's an instrument with a flexible metal tongue attached to a frame that's held against the teeth. And by hitting the tongue, the subsequent vibrations it sets off in the mouth make the mouth effectively function as a resonant box. Facial adjustments then bring out different harmonics on top of the fundamental tone hit by the tongue. It's got a long tradition in Norway, dating back to medieval times, but it was in the mid-19th century that it really took off when a religious awakening swept through the mountains and valleys. Much of the traditional music had been played on the hardanger fiddle that you heard earlier, but in this new religious context, the fiddle was considered a devil's instrument. The solution, it seemed, was the mouth harp, with its practitioners continuing to perform and preserve many of the old fiddle tunes that would otherwise have been lost to history. Come the folk music revival of the 70s, and there came a new interest in the old tunes, with fiddlers turning to mouth harpists to learn them. So the instrument has played a great role in preserving Norway's folk music heritage. Thov G. Wetterhus, meanwhile, is a farmer by trade from Nor in Numedal, and whilst this is his first release, it's called Stoleslaut, meaning steel beat. He's widely known in the Norwegian folk music community. It was recorded in the living room of his farm, straight to disc in an hour, so it's effectively a live recital. An album of solo mouth harp might seem to be stretching it a bit, but he just about manages to pull it off in terms of variety, I think, and it's well worth checking out. Stoleslaut was released on Muttvind Records in 2021.
That is, of course, the Kora, the 21-string instrument played extensively across West Africa, and which combines features of both the lute and the Western harp. And it's not a competition, but it surely must be one of the world's most magnificent instruments, no? That piece is called Baikara, and it was played there by the great Mamadou Giabate. He's the cousin of the legendary Tumani Giabate, and he's from Kita in Mali, where he grew up in a family of griots, and he's based these days in the US. It's from his latest, I think, album, released back in 2014, called Griot Classique, on the JRS label. And it's just a brilliant exposition of his skill as a chora player and as a storyteller within music. Highly recommend to check out some of his recordings, along with those of Tumani, if you're not already familiar.
western part of Mali's Kodikori region. That's the brilliant Rokia Traore singing Suba from her second album Juanita, released back in 1999. She put out a further four albums up to 2016, after which time she became involved in a long and complex custody battle with the Belgian father of her daughter that resulted in her serving time in prison in Paris in an affair that has invoked accusations of both racism and misogyny. She became something of a cause celebre, with musicians including Salif Keita, Yusu Nador, and Damon Albarn publicly calling for her release. Anyhow, backing up a bit, she's a guitarist as well as a singer-songwriter, a rare thing for a female in Africa, and she's worked with both traditional instruments such as balafon, ngoni, and kora, as well as acoustic guitar and electric bass, all of which you can hear on this album, which she both wrote and arranged. It's a great listen in that it's a subtle fusing of elements without feeling like a dilution and without being cluttered with overproduction, as can be the case with such projects that used to clumsily go under the title of world music. Her lyrics, meanwhile, are often markedly progressive, dealing as they do with the rights of women in a patriarchal society, and she's become representative of a new generation of professional women in Africa for whom she's become something of a figurehead. 
She said, my roots are deeply anchored in the Mandingo culture, yet I wasn't immersed in Malian music at the source, having spent most of my childhood outside Mali. On top of that, as a noble Bambara, not belonging to a griot caste, prevented me from learning and interpreting traditional griot songs. I started learning about music. I was not supposed to do so and was criticized within my social environment. It was therefore more natural for me and less controversial to take up playing the guitar, writing texts in French and English. To exist as an artist, I had to take a great creative detour in the practice of a musical style that I invented for myself, taking advantage of any breach or small window of tolerance that celebrated modernity within Mali's highly traditionalist society. For years, my goal was, and still is, to expand the scope of freedom from my artistic work. You heard there Rocchio Traore, vocals, Coco Mbassi, backing vocals, and Andrea Coyati playing the Ngoni Bar or Lute. And the album Juanita was released on Indigo in 1999.
Oh, I like that. That was Organ or the Eyes, written in 2013 by Icelandic Canadian cellist composer Fiola Evans, who writes music that explores the visceral physicality of sound while drawing inspiration from patterns of natural phenomena. That recording contains seven cello parts led together. It's a movement of older visual, a larger scale work for cello and electronics that she created based on Icelandic folk songs. It takes its structure and some of its melodic material from the Icelandic lullaby, Visu Vatsenda Rosu. The lyrics are a love poem written from a woman's perspective, nostalgically describing a long lost paramour as a coveted object of beauty. Her intention was apparently to keep to the spirit of the original song, but to transform it into a darker and more complex sound world. It was performed there by India Gailey, and it's taken from her album, To You Through, that was released on Redshift Records in 2022. Well, time, please. That's it for another one. The Tonic will be back on Wednesday the 9th of August at 1pm, British Summertime, GMT plus one. You no doubt know how it goes by now, as ever. You can check the show's Instagram page for confirmation of that, the underscore tonic underscore. And as ever, do drop me a message at any point via Instagram or the tonic.online. You could even go crazy and send me a request if you like. I'm listening. Thanks to Eric, to Helen, and to all at Threads, Gabe, Rosie, Lee, Freddie, and the whole crew. I'm Luke Fraser. Thanks for listening.